believe it or not, this coming Wednesday is the start of Lent. Right? It feels like we were just prepping and doing Advent stuff, right? feels like we were watching Christmas carols together like a week ago. But no, it's Lent starts this week. So obviously, we will be kicking off our Lent series next week. It's a series called Letting Go, and I'm really excited for it. We're going to do some really cool things in it. Meaning, we're going to be stepping away from Matthew for a while. Now, at this point in the story, we've got up to Jesus being born, the Magi visiting, their flight to Egypt, and the family coming home. We are just about to the point where Jesus is about to receive his baptism from both his cousin, John, and from the Holy Spirit. Now, that is a story that will take us two weeks to, to walk through, because there's, there's a lot that happens in it. So rather than do the first half of the story now, and then pick up the conclusion after Easter, you know, that would be, I think, like April 10th. So rather than have a cliffhanger of, you know, what, two months, I thought today we would just do a kind of one-off series, a one-off sermon. And we'll come back to Matthew after, because a cliffhanger that long is a little extreme. So we're going to jump off of Matthew a, a week early. But it's Valentine's Day, right? So I thought it would be a great time to talk about love, to kind of dive into what love means. And there's a number of passages we could look to to do this. Maybe the most well-known passage in the Bible about love comes to us from 1 Corinthians 13, right? The passage, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, uh, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongdoing. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always preserves. Love never fails. Now, at home, raise your hand if you have been to a wedding, or maybe your wedding, this was the passage that was talked about there. How many, like, I can't see, but I'm assuming there's a lot of hands going up, because it's a very, very popular passage to talk about when it comes to love. And it's very easy to see why. This description of love is really ideal, right? Like, no one's really going to argue that this isn't a perfect, idealized description of love. This is what we strive for. This is how we want to be loved, right? There's a reason it's so popular at weddings. So what I thought we could do this morning is to take this list of love attributes and see how they play out in a narrative story. See how they play out in a love story. Now, the natural first place to look when you're looking for a love story in the Bible is the book of Ruth. This book tells the story of a young immigrant Roman, Ruth, and her journeys into a new land and her struggles to adjust, to fit in, to survive in this new land and ultimately find love in this new land. Now, the story ends, I like guess spoiler alert, but the story ends with her finding love and marrying a wealthy landowner named Boaz. Now tell me that is not just a Hallmark movie pitch right there, right? Like that, how many Hallmark movies have you seen that hit every one of those beats? Well, in fact, some in scholarship call the Book of Ruth the greatest romance novella of the ancient world. So it, it's one of the OG romance stories. So this morning what I want to do is go through this story 
But I don't want to focus on Ruth's relationship with Boaz. Rather, I want to examine Ruth's relationship with Naomi, her mother-in-law. We often think of love, and especially this 1 Corinthians 13 love, as strictly romance. Hence all of the wedding passages, right, that go along with that passage. But this idea of love is so much bigger than a romantic love. Love within a family. Love between friends can be just as, if not sometimes more impactful, more meaningful, more needed than romantic love. So I want to kind of walk through the story and we'll kind of just see what we see. We'll see what this 3,000-year-old immigrant woman and her mother-in-law can teach us about love. Our story opens in Israel. Naomi, her husband, and her two sons, they're struggling to get by. A famine is ravaging the land, and food is extremely hard to come by. This family owns a decent amount of land. They just can't get any food from it. They're starving. So they decide to seek out a better life by moving to a neighboring country. So they pack up their possessions and they move to the land of Moab. And things really don't get better when they get there. Shortly after arriving, Naomi's husband dies, leaving her widowed with two boys in a new country. But eventually things start to turn around. Her two sons get married and they seemingly are putting down roots, starting a new life. But this happiness is short-lived. It's not long before her two sons die as well, leaving Naomi alone in a foreign country with her two new stepdaughters, daughters-in-law. Understandably, Naomi's had enough. She simply wants to go home. She's found nothing but sadness in this new land, and so at least wants to go to something she knows, her home. She tells her daughters-in-law that she's going to return, and tells them to return to their homes, return to the houses of their parents to start a new life. They're still young, they can still start over and have a happy life, and that's what she wants for them. One daughter agrees, but the other daughter-in-law, named Ruth, does not agree. Ruth, in fact, strongly disagrees. And this is her response to her mother-in-law. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. So you can see, even before our main story kicks into gear, 
This is still kind of prologue-y stuff. We can see Echoes. I guess it would be Forerunners, because this was... Bruce was written before Corinthians. But we see Forerunners of that 1 Corinthians 13 love. Here, Ruth is incredibly patient. Incredibly kind. She is refusing to leave her mother-in-law. To go out and face the unknown alone. Ruth is determined to stand with her. So, eventually Naomi relents and the two leave. Once they get back into Israel, their first priority becomes food. Because they still have land. They still have the land that Naomi left behind. They still can't get food out of it, though. So they need food. So Ruth volunteers to go and work in some of the other fields. Some of the fields that do have a little bit of food for them. And she works to gain food for the two of them to eat. Now this work would not have been easy. It would have been manual labor. And it would have put Ruth right into the path and in the company of some pretty unsavory folk. Some pretty sketch individuals. But Ruth wasn't self-seeking. She knew that the most important thing right now was caring for her mother-in-law. It's likely that Naomi, the mother-in-law, was older. And that the physical toll of these work in the fields would have probably been too much for her. So Ruth sees, understands and sees this, and is trying to protect her mother-in-law. Well, as things go, one day, Ruth is working in a field, and she has particular luck. The owner of the field is nice to her, gives her some water, treats her kindly. When Ruth questions this and asks why, the owner responds by saying this. I've been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you left your father and mother and your homeland, and came to live with a people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wing you have come to take refuge. Well, that evening, Ruth goes home and tells her mother-in-law all about this encounter. And through this conversation, she discovers that this man is actually a kindred redeemer. Basically, what that means is that this guy has a legal obligation to care for Naomi and Ruth. He has this obligation because he is a distant relative of Naomi's deceased husband. A little bit of hope starts shining through. On their current path, you know, this, this path of Ruth going out working the fields, bringing food in, wasn't sustainable. It wasn't something that they could do forever. It was a stopgap. Well, Ruth's love for Naomi led her into the path of a possible solution. A possible answer. Love created hope. This new revelation also puts Naomi in an interesting position. If this man fulfills and upholds his duty as the kinsman redeemer, 
It means Ruth will be protected. It means Naomi will be protected. But it also means that Naomi will lose everything. The lands of her husband and her sons will no longer be hers. They'll belong to this man. The land that was in Naomi's family for who knows how long would no longer be hers. But Naomi decides that this is no time to pridefully cling to land, to boast over the past. This is the time to ensure the protection of her daughter-in-law. And so Naomi encourages Ruth to go and tell this man about his obligation, his duty, which Ruth does. She goes and she convinces him to uphold this legal obligation. He does. He goes forward with the plan. He buys the lands from Naomi, the lands of her husband and her son, and he swears to care for Naomi and Ruth. Ruth's and Naomi's love and gamble paid off. They're both protected. And the story ends with Naomi holding her grandson, the child of Ruth, holding him in her lap. The love of Naomi comes full circle now into this child. That, in a nutshell, is the story of Naomi and Ruth, their, their journey throughout the book of Ruth. So what I want to do now is I'm going to reread the first Corinthians description of love. While I do so, I want you to think about the journey of Naomi and Ruth. I want you to think about each descriptor as I read it and how you might see it play out in the, in, in the story, the story of Naomi and Ruth. Does it ring true with the story I just told? I want you to not only think about the actions of our two heroines in the story, but also their emotions, their reasons, their motivations for their actions. If you want, you can close your eyes so you can get a better mental image of the story playing out before you. Now, I'm going to reread 1 Corinthians 13, starting in verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always preserves. Love never fails. I think this last line, this last verse, is so important. Love never fails. Love might lead you to some places where you'd rather not be. Like in our story today, love led Ruth into the scorching heat, doing backbreaking labor in a field 
in a distant land with some pretty sus people around her. But in the end, love didn't fail. It didn't fail for Naomi. It didn't fail for Ruth. And it won't fail for you. So this Valentine's Day, I would encourage you to strive for that level of love that we saw displayed by Ruth and Naomi. Strive to be the absolute best friend, the best partner, the best family member you can be. Showcasing the kind of love that yet led a young woman to immigrate to a new land, to work hard so that her mother-in-law might have food. The kind of love that led a woman to give up all of her possessions, all of her land, so that her daughter-in-law might be taken care of. Not only be taken care of, but would bear a son. A son who in turn would father his own son, who in turn would father another son, and on and on, in an unbroken line, all the way leading to Ruth's great, 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 however many greats it is, grandson, who displayed the kind of love that ultimately led him to die on a cross taking the punishment for our sins. This Valentine's Day, strive to love like Jesus loved. Love like Jesus continues to love you today. That sacrificial love where you're willing to do anything to protect, to care for, to hold the ones you love. Love with everything you have. Because love will never fail you. Join me as we pray. Dear Lord, we, we thank you so much for your incredible, unbelievable love for us. It, it is something that honestly dumbfounds us at times. How much you love us. And Lord, we, we just ask for the strength the ability and the heart to love others like you love us. We just ask that you would give us that heart, give us that desire, give us that love that you so richly pour out on us. And we just ask that as we depart from here, go throughout our week, that we could keep that kind of love, that love you showed, that love you gave to Naomi, that love you gave to Ruth. We ask that you would give us that same level of love. We ask all this in your precious name. Amen.